It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Sooners Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Sooners Podcast. Here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Brady Trantham, and I am your host for this show. Moving forward, yes, if you're just now joining the show, if you're just now joining in on the fun, John Hoover, my coworker here at 107.7 The Franchise, 107.9 in Tulsa, he, residing in Tulsa, had to give up his Locked On Sooners duties, wanted to spend more time with his family, and I mean, look, I'm not married. <laughs> I live by myself in an apartment. And I'm, let me tell you, a Monday through Friday podcast is a lot more difficult than it sounds. It is a grind, and I can respect um, that John Hoover was able to do this podcast on top of all the wonderful stuff that he was able to do uh, for the FranchiseOK.com and Sporting News for an entire season. So I'm going to do my best to not necessarily emulate John Hoover because John is he's the pinnacle of sports journalism in Oklahoma, no question. And he's probably my favorite OU media person guy, let's just say, because I could always trust John Hoover to ask the tough questions, especially. I am not a Sooner Media person. I happen to work at the flagship station for Sooner Football and Sooner Athletics, so I will always deal with OU Sports, OU Football, of course. But I am mainly the Oklahoma City Thunder Insider at the at 107.7 The Franchise. But I'm from Oklahoma. I went to the University of Oklahoma, graduated in 2014. And I'm an incredible history nerd. And I'm an incredible Sooners fan. So rest assured, everybody, you are all in very capable hands with this podcast. Hopefully you stay on with us. Hopefully more people join in on the fun and that way, it can just be that much more fun to sit through an entire offseason because we all know college football offseason, incredibly long. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at Brady Does Sports. That way, you can find all my Sooner thoughts, all my Thunder thoughts, podcast links that I tweet out, articles that I tweet out, and I will be writing some Sooner stuff moving forward, uh, especially as we get closer into spring football, uh, just so I can add to the content of, and the richness of this podcast. Um, I also run the Locked on Thunder podcast. So yeah, I'm trying to corner the market in terms of the Locked on Podcast Network in Oklahoma. And I also do the Inside OU podcast with John Hoover. And that's part of the Franchise Podcast Network. And the OKC82 podcast, which is my after every single game reaction to Thunder to Thunder games that I do with my partner, Madison Morris. You can find all this stuff at thefranchiseok.com. You can find everything else at thefranchiseok.com. It's free. Why not go check it out? So without further ado, let's jump into some news because actually there was some official news on Monday afternoon. Theo Howard has officially transferred via the transfer portal, the transfer Stargate, whatever you want to call it, from UCLA to OU. Oklahoma sent out a press release making it official. Theo Howard comes as a grad transfer, so he will be able to go immediately and will add to the depth at the of the wide receiver core. He was a four-star prospect in the class of 2016 uh, out of Thousand Oaks, California, went to Westlake High School, uh, six feet tall, kind of a similar body type to a Charleston Rambo, 
Um, had nearly 1,400 yards receiving over his three years and nine touchdowns. But he really, I think he only played one game last year. He was dealing with wrist and hand injuries all year and basically didn't play uh, because 677 of those yards and four of those touchdowns came in 2018. He also, and I saw this on a few publications, I can't, I can't tell if this is true or not, but I saw it on two independent publications. He did not drop a single pass all season. Uh, in 2017, the year that UCLA came to Norman and lost to OU. And with that similar body type to Charleston Rambo, kind of the same type of receiver, um, comes in with a burner reputation really fast. Look, I am not a tape, a film aficionado. Um, I know good football players when I see them. I know bad football players when I see them. And out of the handful of highlights and games that I've seen Theo Howard play over the last day and a half. Like I watched the USC game from 2017. I watched an Oregon game from 2017. Um, I don't really see the speed. Like Charleston Rambo is definitely faster than him. And the biggest thing for me with Theo is just, he is very shy when it comes to physical contact. He is not really trying to sacrifice his body to make a block uh, with, with the six feet tall frame. Not very, not very big, not very imposing, and it's going to be interesting because OU receivers, for as great as they've been over the last decade or so, in terms of route running, speed, possession, yards after catch, whatever you want to bring up, one thing that's always remained a constant with OU receivers is their ability to block, and not just the ability to block, but the desire to block. I mean, we're talking about guys like Kenny Stills, Mark Clayton, Sterling Shepard, and even some of the freshmen this year, I mean, Jaden Hazelwood was in on a lot of blocks downfield and always hustled downfield to try and find somebody to hit. It's the desire to want to hit somebody, and that comes with being a five-star athlete, a high, highly contested, recruited athlete out of high school, and then you go to OU, like you, you're a football player at that point. I, I don't necessarily see it with Theo Howard now, maybe sitting out a year with, in a bad program, uh, in a bad offensive system under Chip Kelly, at least this early on in his UCLA career. Uh, maybe that didn't bring out the best in him, and maybe simply a change of scenery will help Theo Howard showcase his ability that a lot of people thought he could have brought coming out of high school to UCLA. Because at the end of the day, like I said, it just adds to the depth because you, you've got three three returning freshmen that will be sophomores, Jaden Hazelwood, Theo Weiss, Trajan Bridges, and of course Trajan Bridges for all we know unofficially that is probably won't be able to play until after the Texas game if it ends up being a six game suspension for marijuana or PDs I believe it would just be for marijuana at that point and then Charleston Rambo of course and then you've got Austin Stogner at tight end you've got some random guys over there that have caught passes in the past but gone are your Nick Basquins your Lee Morris's you know, your glue guys that you could depend on to throw out there that weren't going to fall down on their routes, that were going to block downfield, that you can depend on to not screw up. I mean, as talented as the receiving core is for OU, you could say it's a little inexperienced in that there's no more CD Land, there's no more Hollywood Brown where uh, the receivers could all collectively look up to. That's the guy. We need to emulate that. OU is now going to be looking for that guy, and it could very well be Jaden Hazelwood day one. It could be very, it could very well be Charleston Rambo, who started off the year incredibly well, but as the season wore on and Jalen Hurts' passing ability became more and more limited, Charleston Rambo 
was kind of taken out of the offense as a result. So maybe with a more capable passing quarterback, whether that be, and I have to technically say this because he's not named the starter, Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai, maybe Charleston Rambo is able to lord himself more into the offense. So again, Theo Howard adds the depth, which is never a bad thing. Anytime you can add four stars, add talent to your team, you should never say no. And it's 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 a good thing that skill position guys, talented skill position guys, want to come to OU. It speaks to the respect that players have around the country for Lincoln Riley. And before we get into some basketball news, I wanted to get into some other football news that doesn't necessarily have to do with OU directly, but it's college football nonetheless. Last night, LSU wins their fourth national championship in school history. Seems like they always win in New Orleans, except for that one time they played Alabama again in 2011. Uh, Pretty much dominating Clemson outside of the opening few drives. It took LSU a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of the first quarter to adjust to Clemson's speed and defense. And LSU breaks the curse. By the way, they are the first team to beat OU in the playoff and then also win the national championship. Clemson in 2015 lost to Alabama. Georgia in 2017 lost to Alabama. Alabama last year lost to Clemson. And finally, LSU breaks the mold, beating Oklahoma and then winning the national championship. It was a well-fought game. Even though LSU, in my opinion, dominated, it was still a fun game to watch. Uh, both teams played their hearts out. It was a good college football national championship, but by far LSU the better team. LSU the better team all season long, and uh, w- with the offense that Joe Brady brought to LSU, the Air Raid has finally won a national championship. A true Air Raid has finally won a national championship, and yeah, it doesn't hurt that you have the skill position athletes that LSU have. And, you know, OU, very comparable. CeeDee Lamb, Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, the offensive line from last year, that's very comparable to what LSU has. But it also helps to have the athletes on the other side of the football to complement that defense. And, of course, that's what Alex Grinch is trying to get OU towards. In terms of results on the field outside of the Peach Bowl, it's moving in that direction. Now, recruiting is going to be the tough task. As talented as a recruiter that Alex Grinch may be, a lot of things are kind of going against him. The conference, the history of Oklahoma in recent years, the in, their inability to put guys in the first round, in the second round, in the, or just basically get drafted on defense into the NFL. Now, that might change a little bit this season with Kenneth Murray and Neville Gallimore and perhaps Parnell Motley. But still, it's interesting to see an air raid team go in and dominate in the playoffs. Joe Burrow, exceptional quarterback, LSU, exceptional team, perhaps one of the probably the bet one of the better teams that we've seen in recent history. Because I, I saw some discussion on Twitter what what team was more talented, this team or the L1 Miami team. Now it's a little hyperbolic to ask that question because we all know we have we have the ability of hindsight. We all know what happened to that Miami team and especially what happened to those players afterwards. Now, I'm not really big on on comparing college football teams or players and using the caveat of, well, this guy had a better NFL career than this guy on the other team, so there therefore this team is better with the NFL talent. NFL talent is a different discussion, but I mean, still, that 01 Miami team, I remember watching that when I was 10, 11 years old, and even then I knew this is a dominant team. But nevertheless, LSU, very deserving. Congratulations to Ed Orgeron. Congratulations to Joe Brady. Joe Burrow, very deserving. And then also really quick, some news concerning one of OE's opponents this season. The Oklahoma State Cowboys got some good news. 
yesterday with the return of Chuba Hubbard coming back to play his junior season at Oklahoma State. So that means Tylen Wallace, Spencer Sanders, Chuba, and an O-line consisting of four returning starters and probably one freshman, I believe the Bray kid, on the offensive line for Mike Gundy's Cowboys in 2020. Uh, certainly on paper, going to be a threat to Oklahoma in terms of what team could possibly dethrone Oklahoma for the Big 12 for Big 12 supremacy. Now, we've seen OSU teams on paper be talented, and we've seen OSU teams on paper be not very talented, and it usually results in the same thing, about an 8-9, potentially a 10-win team. The key for OSU, I mean, outside of Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard, I mean, Tylen Wallace is going to be coming back from an ACL injury. Chuba Hubbard, as great as he is, if you can shut down the passing game, you know, running backs can only do so much. And as much respect as I have for Chuba Hubbard, he's not necessarily a running back that strikes me as extremely versatile, that he's so talented enough that he can overcome a lack of a passing game. We saw that in Bedlam a few weeks ago where Drew Brown couldn't get the job done through the air, and so OU was able to pin their ears back and key in on Chuba Hubbard. And then outside of uh, the first two drives, OU absolutely stifled and dominated the running running game of the Cowboys. But nevertheless, it's still a good thing for Cowboys fans. It's good for the Big 12. Um, there's going to be a lot of hype surrounding Chuba Hubbard and, the, and OSU which is good considering that they will also be employing a first-year play caller in Casey Dunn, who replaces Sean Gleason, who left for Rutgers after his one year as offensive coordinator for Oklahoma State. Uh, Casey Dunn was their wide receivers coach over the last nine seasons, so that means he's coached guys like Justin Blackman, Washington, Wallace. So certainly a talented position coach in his own right, but it's going to be interesting to see how he balances the three-headed monster of the Oklahoma State offense this season. Uh, the Cowboys will play in Norman this year, not at the end of the year, but on October 24th. little odd timing, but who knows? Maybe that plays into OU's favor. Maybe it doesn't play into OU's favor because Chuba might be a little bit more healthy. Tylen Wallace might be a little bit more healthy. Spencer Sanders, who knows? The key is going to be on Spencer Sanders. If he can clean up the turnovers, if he can polish the passing game, OSU no doubt will be a scary team in 2020 in the Big 12. When we get back, got some basketball news for tonight. Super Tuesday, OU Kansas. Everybody's excited. Top Dog's back. More on that when we get back. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Sooners podcast, everybody. I am Brady Trantham, and like I said before the break, OU basketball tonight in action at the Lloyd Noble Center at 8 o'clock in Norman, Oklahoma, as the Kansas Jayhawks come to town. And like I said on, I believe, Monday's show or maybe even Friday's show, I'm going to be employing the help of my fellow franchise co-worker, Mr. Ryan Chapman. You can follow him at Radio's Ryan on Twitter. Uh, Ryan has been doing a fantastic job covering OU basketball for us. I'm not able to cover OU basketball in person because I cover the Thunder in person. I can only do so much, everybody. Uh, but because I want to give you guys really good, insightful information on this podcast, I thought what better than to uh, give Ryan some reps, give him some exposure on this podcast with a lot of wonderful listeners. 
But also, Ryan's just really good. I, I respect the hell out of that kid. He's doing a great job with us so far, and he's actually moving over into some more Thunder coverage with us to help out Madison and I, and I'm really excited about that. But, Ryan, go ahead and take it away. Hey, guys. Ryan Chapman here with your OU basketball update right here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. And, of course, it's a big one this week as the Oklahoma Sooners will host the Kansas Jayhawks in primetime, 8 p.m. on Super Tuesday. And this is kind of a weird game coming in. Both teams are coming off of losses, which with the games that they played, Baylor, of course, headed to Lawrence and Oklahoma headed to Iowa State last Saturday. Um, it was a possibility that both teams could have lost. But to lose by 12 points as Kansas did and 13 points as OU did, I think both teams are going to be pissed off, honestly, and uh, looking to prove a point. But um, Oklahoma's really going to struggle in this game to match up with Adoka Azabuki, of course, the big-time center from Kansas. The Sooners have struggled with big men all year as Christian Doolittle and Brady Manick are a bit undersized to play with the big men on the defensive end of the floor. Um, now, it creates opportunities on the offensive end of the floor, obviously, as they have the mismatch going their direction. They can get Azubuki away from the basket and uh, get some open jumpers. But it'll be interesting to see how they handle him defensively. Kirk Huath has come in at times this season, but he's just not physical enough, I think, to deal with Azubuki, and he's just a step too slow right now. He's not reading the game quickly enough, I think, to deal with such a big center like Azubuki. Obviously, Devon Dotson, who really is the engine that makes Kansas go, if he's still struggling with his hip, um, that will be something that the Kansas Jayhawks will have to deal with, as we saw against Baylor. Um, the Jayhawks played well, but it was obviously not up to par, as no one goes into Allen Fieldhouse and wins by 12 like the Baylor Bears did. But it'll be interesting to see. Um, the crowd energy will be there as the return of Top Dog, the long-awaited return of Top Dog, will be going down in Norman. But we'll see how Oklahoma handles this high-powered Kansas offense, and specifically Udoka Azabuki. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Radio's Ryan, for this and more OU basketball news, and uh, look for my OU basketball recaps on thefranchiseok.com. Thank you so much to Ryan Chapman for his update. We're going to get him on about twice a week. We might even have him on for a sit-down interview or some type. And like I said, the schedule for this show is going to be very fluid. And like I said earlier, I'm a large history nerd. <laughs> I don't know if that's come across yet, but I'll, I'll give you an example as to how much of a history nerd I am. And this doesn't necessarily make me feel good as an OU fan, but according to sportsreference.com, the University of Kansas has played 237 schools since the 1949-50 season. And of those 237 schools, Kansas' record against Oklahoma, which is 106-44, 106 wins, 44 losses to the Oklahoma Sooners, is only topped by their records against Nebraska, Colorado, Iowa State, and Kansas State. That's right. Of the 237 schools Kansas has played since the 1949-50 season, their fifth best win-loss series record is against OU. Just absolute domination. Yikes. Now, does that matter tonight? Of course not, but history does tell a story. But recent history also tells a story. OU has had some success against Kansas recently when they come to Norman. Trey Young beating them a few years ago in that exciting game. Brady Manick hit the big shot that game. And like Ryan said, it's going to come down to defending as a buki. If OU can somehow manufacture some paint defense and hit timely shots, I mean, they're big three. If they can hit shots, they're going to have a chance playing at home, especially if the crowd is roaring and in attendance and excited for top dog. <laughs> Who knows? Miracles can happen. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. 
Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. And I tried the Twitter question yesterday, but maybe it was because I put up the podcast a little bit later in the day because, like I said, I'm, I'm doing the morning show this week on 107.7 The Franchise from 5.30 till 9. So that's quite the task. I'm, I'm filling in for Mike Steely. So if I'm going to be doing these Twitter questions, please reply. But also, I'll try and get these podcasts out a little bit earlier to increase the likelihood that people listen. So um, shame on me. No problems with you guys whatsoever. But I'll ask another Twitter question. And it was kind of discussed already when CeeDee Lamb pretty much uh, declared for the draft. But, I mean, is, is CeeDee Lamb the best wide receiver in OU history? I think so. And I grew up watching Mark Clayton. I grew up watching Ryan Broyles, Sterling Shepard. And it's funny, as great as the 2008 offense was with Sam Bradford, they didn't really have a go-to receiver. I mean, that was the year they had Joaquin Iglesias, Manuel Johnson, Ryan Broyles as a freshman. And as great as those guys were, especially Broyles even as a freshman, I mean, the go-to receiver on that team, in my opinion, was always Jermaine Gresham. So, uh, he's a tight end, so he's not going to count. But you can even throw throw in guys like Sterling Shepard, Hollywood Brown even, D.D. Westbrook, who's the school's only Blitnikoff winner. And yes, even though I was born in 1990, I, I know that there were great receivers that played for OU well before I was born. And even in offenses that didn't necessarily cater to the wide receiver as a pass catcher, we're talking about guys like Tinker Owens or Steve Rhodes guys that made big-time catches in big-time games routinely. I mean, to me, when I think about CeeDee Lamb and I think about his his legacy at OU, it really came down to this year. If he had just another great year like he did last year with Kyler Murray, I don't think I'd give him the edge over Mark Clayton. I don't even think I'd give him the edge over a Sterling Shepard because the one thing that I always look for in, in terms of a wide receiver because you can always find good receivers. You can find guys that can catch balls and rack up yards. I mean, Cameron Kenny had a really good last year with OU and racked up catches and yards and touchdowns. But to me, it's it's the ability as a pass catcher to game break, to break games open, to make plays on your own. And you can do it in a multitude of ways. Hollywood Brown did it with his absolutely God-given talent to just run faster than anybody else on the field. Mark Clayton had an insane ability to have to make yards after catch, so agile, could stop on a dime. Sterling Shepard had a little bit of that too, but he also had a lot of toughness. He was he wasn't afraid to go over the middle. Not not to say that Mark Clayton wasn't. Ryan Broyles had the incredible ability to just basically find soft spots in the zone, always catch everything thrown his way, and then always have the ability to fall forward. But then you look at CeeDee Lamb's season this season, the Texas game, the Big 12 championship, even in the loss against Kansas State where he took that one screenplay to the house. I mean, CeeDee Lamb was just an incredible football player this year, and he really opened my eyes to just how good he was. A little bit smaller than Julio Jones, but my goodness, was he Julio Jones in college this year. Just an incredible, incredible football player. And when you talk about talent, results, ability, NFL prospects, 
I mean, to me, he's he's the best receiver in OU history. But I'm curious to know what you guys think. Please let me know on Twitter at Brady Sports. Please let me know. And we can talk some more about it maybe later this week. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On Sooners today. I really appreciate it. Got a hold of Mr. Blinken Riley, and it is confirmed Blinken will be continuing his Thursday spot here on the Locked On Sooners podcast. I am very happy to say that. Blinken and I, we I think we followed each other on Twitter for like the last two years or so. And outside of some like mentions or some replies here and there, never really had a chance to talk to him or meet him. So I'm looking forward to talking to Blinken all over this podcast and all throughout the offseason. That dude is... I like looking, digging up weird stats in my own right. I like digging up weird historical facts as well. But he is on a completely different level, and I got I respect the game. So I'm excited that he's going to still be a part of this podcast. And John Hoover will be a part of the podcast as well for Wednesdays, I believe. Not necessarily sure about this week. I'll get in touch with him, and you guys will know first thing. But everybody, please follow me on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Please like and subscribe the podcast, leave some reviews. I would appreciate that very much. But until next time, everybody, I'll talk to you later. The NCAA tournament is almost here, and listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.